Indeed, indeed. It is BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network. You got a couple of Sean's with my guy, Sean Bell. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. And we're going to welcome on Dan Dibley, host of Willard and Dibs from 95.7 The Game. And if you hear crying in the background, it may be me or it may be his young daughter. So we'll, we'll see and we'll clarify that if that happens to go down. Uh, you were telling me during the break, Dibs, that they're having – the Kings are having a uh, little, what, playoff rally, playoff parade. Are you making fun of that? It feels like that's what you have to do. It's been, what, the Nixon administration the last time they were in the playoffs? Wow. First uh, Nixon reference here in the interview. Normally I'm the one who uh, usually references second-term Reagan, and I think I'm the only one of the three of us who might have been alive for the Nixon administration. For sure. So I'm going to – I'm going to take that as an offense, and I'm going to tell you, Sean, early, watch your mouth, okay? Okay. And, and let's focus on the sale because I, I believe I was alive for uh, the end of Nixon. And, uh, yes, I, I'm not making fun of it. I do think it is kind of cute. And my partner, Mark Willard, actually has called the Kings adorable. That's kind of been his buzzword leading up to the playoffs. But, look, you haven't been to the playoffs in 17 years have a rally. Go crazy. And we in uh, Dub Nation, as we like to call it, the Warrior fan base, we are spoiled. We know that. And there's a certain amount of arrogance that comes with going to six NBA finals over the course of eight years. But, guys, I'm old enough, as referenced by the, the Nixon administration, I've been alive long enough to have seen the lean years. I'm an OG Warriors fan, so I know about Clifford Ray. And I remember as a young, young child when they won it in 74 with Rick Barry. So I know that we've been through the desert with no playoff appearances. We had nothing. So I don't have the same arrogance as new Warriors fans. But, yes, Kings go crazy. Uh, Sacktown royalty, they're all so excited for game one coming up tomorrow. Uh, my question with you is that the biggest question mark for me when it comes to the Warriors is, what is Wiggins right now? Like, I believe he got cleared to play, but he hasn't played him for so long. And I, I know a lot depends for the Warriors on the defense of Gary Payton and Andrew Wiggins and what they can bring to the table. What do you know about this Wiggins situation and, and, and how confident are people that he's going to play like he did before he went out or even like he did in last year's playoffs? In last year's playoffs, he was a monster. And I think if it wasn't for Steph Curry and his Game 4 legendary effort, Andrew Wiggins would have been the Finals MVP, in my opinion, the way he played on both ends of the floor. They have a nickname for him out here. They call him Two-Way Wigs, which I don't love the nickname, but it speaks to how good he is on both ends of the court. He's been out for two months, but the word is this week at practice when he scrimmaged, he looked incredible, and he looks to be the same Andrew Wiggins that we all have come to expect here from the Golden State Warriors fan base. Now, he's not going to be able to play 36 or 38 minutes in Game 1. I would imagine it's not going to be until Game 3 or Game 4 where he's able to really play the kind of minutes we're used to see him play. I would anticipate between 20 and 24 minutes, but Andrew Wiggins apparently looked really good at the scrimmage earlier this week. He's going to be a big factor in the series, hopefully in the playoffs if the Warriors can advance, but it's going to take him some time to get his NBA legs back under him. Speaking of crappy nicknames, I am the sports machine, Sean Levine, along with my co-host, Sean Bell. We're talking to Dan Dibley Dibbs of Willard and Dibbs out there, a 95-7 the game in San Francisco. Minus 275 if you want to bet the Warriors to win the series. Is it worth it? That's a lot of money for a team that didn't win as many games as their opponent. 
I think it's, I mean, it's a pretty safe bet, I think, for them to win the series, but I don't think it's worth it. And I'm kind of approaching this series from a game-to-game basis in terms of, you know, what do I think is going to happen each individual game? And I do think the Kings are going to win game one. The rally's tonight, the game is tomorrow, and I think the Kings are going to come out motivated and on fire. Mike Brown is the NBA Coach of the Year, and I think that the the crowd out there at the Golden One Center is going to be off the charts. The Kings will fire their best shot tomorrow. So as a better, I'm looking at the Kings in game one, and I think the, the spread was a point and a half. It might be up to two. It's hanging around that point depending on where you shop. And I like the Kings in game one. Now, in terms of the series, minus 275 for me is too steep a price. If I was going to look at actual series betting, I would either bet Warriors in five or Warriors in six. And I think that Warriors in six as a specific result is the way to go. The Warriors have won at least one road game in every playoff series that this team has ever played. You have to go all the way back to the We Believe Warriors to find a time where they actually didn't win at least one road game. I love the Kings in Game 1. I also love the Warriors in Game 2. I think the Warriors ultimately win this in six at home. Well, see, that that means i got to ask the question of, how can you be so confident that they're a road team? I think they were 10 right. for 31, or was it 11 for 30 uh, on the road this year? I mean, at home, they're, they're championship warriors. On the road, they're – I don't know what they are. They're the Sacramento Kings oh, of the last six, 16 years. So yes. what makes you feel confident that this team is going to go back to the team that is going to win a road game every series at least one? Well, this segment, we have two Sean's, right? And in the NBA, we have two seasons. We've got the regular season, and we've got the postseason. And this Golden State Warriors team showed you that the regular season doesn't matter at all. And if you look at the, the anatomy of their 11-30 and 30 road record, I won't take you through each and every game, but just a couple of different chunks. And we'll start with the opening five-game road trip where they went 0-5. They lost to Orlando. They lost to Detroit. yes. That Detroit team, not the Jared Goff Detroit Lions, not Stevie Iserman and the Detroit Red Wings. They lost to the Detroit Pistons on the road. That opening road trip, they were still playing James Wiseman, who is now a Piston, by the way. They were playing the young guys. This Golden State Warriors season was largely an afterthought for Steph, Clay, Dre, and even Andrew Wiggins, who missed half the season the last two months because he had the personal family issue, but he was hurt before. He had a non-COVID illness. He had an adductor strain. This whole regular season was kind of an odd anomaly. So I think when this Warrior team gets to the postseason tomorrow, they're going to realize that road games actually matter now. And keep in mind, they did win their last two road games of the regular season, one in Sacramento against this very Kings team. I know they sat everyone. They beat Portland, who also had shut it down. But I think that the Warriors realized that this season, the second season, not unlike the second Sean, and I'm not sure who the first Sean is and the second Sean now. is. I'm not going to pick. I already have a favorite Sean, and it's not the guy who, who said I'm as old as Richard Nixon. It's the other Sean. Two seasons, the Warriors are now ready to flip the switch. 
I was going to go Calvin Coolidge on you then. I mean, I, thought, I feel like I took it easy Good on you. God. Dan Dibley, host of <laughs> Willard and Dibs, 95-7, the game joining us here. How important is Clay? Everybody wants to talk about Steph, and everybody wants to talk about all these other dudes. I don't think enough people have realized how good Clay has been. You tell me, what is it like since the All-Star game? It's been a minute now that he's looked like Clay Thompson. Yeah, January and February, he was unbelievable. He was otherworldly. He was maybe the two best months of his career. March and April, he kind of regressed back to being the clay that he was earlier in the year, a little bit inconsistent and a little bit uneven. I don't want to diminish Clay's impact, but I don't think Clay is that important to the Warriors' success. Now, that being said, Clay Thompson will have at least one game where he goes for 30, maybe 40, maybe 50. He is the hottest, streakiest shooter maybe in the history of the association. Now, they have Jordan Poole, who is very streaky as well. Steph Curry, the greatest shooter in the history of the game. Draymond Green, perhaps the smartest basketball player I've ever seen in terms of both ends of the court. Think about it. He, he can guard one through five on the defensive end, and then he's basically a six-foot-five power forward point guard on the other end. Clay is important, but he's not critical to the Warriors' success. Well, let me follow that up with Jordan Poole, because you would think Jordan Poole would be that important. He was that important last year, but it seemed like he regressed a little bit this year. You know, all the things that happened with Draymond and the punch, uh, he got paid, but he just wasn't the explosive Jordan Poole. And, and don't get me wrong, he's had games like that. He's had stretches like that. But it seemed like he took a step back this this year. What do you see from Jordan Poole? Why does it seem like he took a step back? Does it all stem from the, you know, preseason uh, stuff? Or is it something he's trying to figure out? That wasn't just one follow-up. That was four follow-ups. And I love all those questions because <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. Uh, the punch was a huge impact, I think, in terms of how he started. And honestly, how this team started. Guys, they opened up three and seven the Warriors in defense of a championship. There was a championship hangover. There was the after effects of the punch. Uh, Clay Thompson didn't play all summer. So this team definitely came out of the gates a little bit sluggish. Remember last year, they started the year 18-2. and two. That was a hungry team that burst from the gate and then kind of coasted after that. Jordan Poole this year, after the punch, he definitely had to find his footing. And then think about it, Clay Thompson's not playing back-to-backs for the first two-thirds of the year. So Jordan Poole goes from being on the bench. Now you're starting. Steph is out. You start. Clay's back. You're on the bench. I think Jordan Poole's had a hard time finding his footing. And, yeah, the contract, I think, is also a part of it. And, guys, the contract doesn't kick in until next year. His extension doesn't start until next year, but the very – I think idea that he is now paid and he got that bag alert, that major bag alert. And so I think that was part of the pressure. He was pressing early on and then clearly the team got to him and said, don't try to do too much. And then all of a sudden now he's not shooting at all. I think Jordan Poole, as any young player would, he's finding his, his footing slowly but surely. But guys, if this game gets down to the nitty gritty and it gets into more of a defensive posture, Jordan Poole may not be on the floor in the closing stretches. Bro, he's been looking for his footing since Draymond Green gave him that right cross a few months ago. Man. My goodness. I mean, that was that was that was something else. And I'm a UFC guy. We're talking with Dan Dibley here on BetMGM tonight on the BetQL network. You mentioned Draymond Green, and he's the smartest player that you've ever seen. And there's a lot of good things you can say about the Warriors, right? When you good when you think about Draymond Green. 
how lucky is he that he ended up there? What I'm asking you is, what if he played for just an average NBA team? Are we still talking about championship rings and impact and borderline Hall of Fame? I don't think so, but it's interesting because we've had this debate here because Draymond Green has a player option for the upcoming season, and the expectation is that Draymond Green's going to opt out. He wanted a max extension in the offseason. The team basically gave him crickets. They gave him no response, and so Draymond Green may actually get a chance to go elsewhere and figure out if he can be the player that he thinks that he is in another atmosphere, but as far as that goes, without Draymond Green, this team wins zero championships because of what he does for Steph Curry. Forget the defense where you know he says that he's the best defensive player in the history of the game, and he very well might be on the short list. When you watch how wise he is on defense, how smart he is defensively, it's incredible. But I don't think that if he was playing on Charlotte, for example, would he have championships? No, but you could say that about any of these players, Steph, Clay, and Draymond all playing together. Now, we got Sacramento, and we have not talked about them. We sort of dismissed them. Is Sacramento just a complete, like, is it one of those things where you just go, ah, you're two young kids, get out of here? Like, I feel like we haven't showed Sacramento enough respect. What, what are some of the things that you like about Sacramento and Darian Fox, I feel like is going to be a problem for, for uh, uh, the Warriors to guard. Absolutely. He's a problem for anyone to guard. And, you know, Sacramento deserves its propers to the extent that they are the three seed in the Western Conference. But, guys, they only won four more games than the Golden State Warriors. It's not like they won 61 games and they're a three seed dominating the rest of the league. This Western Conference was about as mediocre from anyone south of Memphis all the way down past OKC to Dallas. The difference between the three seed and the 11 seed was about, what, seven games? I mean, we've never seen such mediocrity, such parity. So Sacramento deserves its props. And, you know, everyone talking about them having one of the best offensive seasons in the history of the association, I, I don't buy that. The league this year was wild in terms of offense. Pace has never been faster. There have never been more three-point shots taken. And yeah, Sacramento's really good at that. But guys, what do we know about the playoffs in the National Basketball Association? Things bog down. Defense becomes a big factor. The pace will not be as breakneck as it was for Sacramento during the regular year. So they're going to have to play a little bit more of a half-court style. Yes, Deer and Fox will be a problem for anyone to guard, but the Warriors now have Wiggins coming back. He can guard the ball. Uh, Gary Payton II is an excellent on-ball defender. You'll get a little bit of Clay Thompson guarding as well, and also the restaurant quality of Adante Adivincenzo, mm. somebody who can also, mwah, yeah, it's just so good with a little marinara sauce. I think the Warriors have That's enough simple. defensive pieces to throw at him to give De'Aaron some problems. When, uh, when he was born, John Quincy Adams was the president. He is Dan Dibley, host of Willard and Dibs. Wow. Don't you wow. play me off like that, Sean. Don't you wow. do that. Get out of here. Take care of your kid. She's crying. Coming up next. We my kid is my great, 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 great granddaughter. 